Normally, normally, of course, we unpack a passage of God's Word. Often, typically, we're preaching through a book of the Bible. We are committed to that practice. But today, today we wanted to take this sermon time, this shortened sermon, to cast some, some vision, as it were, for how we're thinking about the next ministry year, such that we can then talk about some of the details in our members' meeting. And so, you're going to want to refer to that handout, perhaps. There are, I think, three irreducible things you need to know or think about when it comes to any kind of leadership. Three irreducible things. You need to know what you want to be or do. You need to have some sense of vision or mission, kind of like, like a map. You need to have some desired destination. And then you need to know, secondly, where you are on that map presently. Where are you in relationship to that desired destination? And then, thirdly, you can think about how do we take some steps toward that desired destination. I'm going to hit on those three ideas pretty fast this morning. Let's first think about our, our vision, our, our desired destination. We have put it this way. We want to glorify God. I mean, that's what we're about, honoring God. We want to do so as a gospel-centered or Jesus-centered community of people, a community of people built around Jesus Christ, who are then also about a Jesus-centered or gospel-centered mission to those around us. And that's a pretty high-level statement, I grant you. And so we have added a kind of mission statement to flesh that out a little bit. We pursue that vision, that picture, by this mission of making and growing disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus in our church, in our city, and by God's grace, in our world. That's kind of our roadmap. That's what we want to be when we grow up. <laughs> our desired destination. And so where are we on that map? I want to talk about that a little bit. You know, when you look at those maps, maybe um, at, the, uh, at the mall, and it shows you, you are here. <laughs> That's what you need to know also. Where am I on, on this map? So what have we been doing? This past year in particular, where are we? Well, we, we said to you a year ago, we want to spend this past year with a primary aim of cultivating a culture of evangelism, growing in a, a culture of, of outreach. And so we, we preached through the book of Acts, and I, I hope you enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed it so very, very much. Um, week after week, we were seeing the mission of God advancing, and friends, He's still doing that today. He wants to use us to that end. We sought to equip members for outreach and evangelism, taking them through our, our course in the home groups, and we also promised to develop a plan that describes what, what we're trying to do as it relates to outreach and mission. And so we've done that with our local mission committee in particular, for whom I'm very grateful. And here's how we've summarized that, that plan. Here's really what we've been doing summarized together. We have sought to be demonstrating and declaring the good news of Jesus as it relates to our outward mission. Demonstrate and declare this good news. We want to demonstrate the love 
the mercy, the grace of God in practical ways that point people to Jesus. Isn't this what we see in the Sermon on the Mount where Jesus himself tells us, you, he says, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but but put it on a, a stand, he says. And it gives light to all in the house. Then he says this, in the same way, let me apply that analogy of light to you. In the same way, he says, let your light shine. Shine before others so that, purpose clause, here's the reason, so that they may see something. See your good works. We are not saved by good works, but we are saved unto good works so that others may see practical demonstrations of love and mercy and grace, and then they would give glory to your Father in heaven. Isn't that a great passage and promise? We are, as it were, the light of Jesus Christ into San Diego, along with every other Bible-believing, gospel-preaching church. The Spirit of God wants to shine through your life in good works, whatever those might be. And Jesus says, people are going to see those, and some are going to make a connection. They're going to go, why do you do that? That doesn't make sense, what you just did. That's not normal. You're going down to City Heights and caring for refugees at Bridge of Hope. You're looking out for people in hard situations and trying to help them. You're caring for mothers in crisis pregnancy. Your acts of mercy toward your neighbor and coworker. They're going to say, that's not normal, that's not natural, what gives? And so I'm going to make a connection between your life and His grace and give glory to your Father in heaven. So yes, we want to demonstrate the love, mercy, and grace of God. May, may God help us to do so, but also be continuing to declare this good news. I know this is, not, this is not new to you, but let's be reminded. We want to declare, make it known. Isn't that the implication of the Great Commission? Where Jesus says, go! Go, therefore, and make disciples. You've got to go and tell people the good news about Jesus so that they can become followers of Jesus. So declaration is implied. It's explicit in what the Apostle Paul says to the church in the city of Colossae. Colossians chapter 4, he says this, at the same time, pray also for us. Pray for us that God may notice, open a door, open to us a door for the Word to declare the mystery of Christ, to declare it on account of which I'm in prison, that I may make it clear, which is how I ought to speak. Did you catch how amazing that is? The apostles in prison for declaring this good news. And so he says, pray that I would keep on declaring it. Pray for opportunities and pray for clarity to keep on declaring this message. You'd say, Paul, you're in prison for declaring. Just stop declaring. 
Because notice what I'm about, making Jesus known. And so it is with us, friends. So it is with us. And so we want to keep declaring the good news of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ to take away our sins and make us beloved children of God for all who believe. And if you're here this morning and yet to believe on Jesus and yet to believe that good news, oh friend, it is the best news you could ever hear. God has sent His Son, the God-man, Jesus, to live the life you could never live, to die a death for your sins in your place and to rise from the grave that you would turn to Christ, trust in Him, rely on Him, be forgiven of your sins, forgiven of all the things you've done wrong, your guilt before God taken away and you made a beloved child of God. I would urge you this morning to turn to Christ and believe. We want friends to do this but where? Where do we do that? Well, here's something we've talked a little bit about as a, as a local mission committee. We want to do so near and, and far. It's kind of like what Jesus called his first disciples to do in Acts 1.8, very sort of outset of his mission advancing in the earth, these concentric circles he gave them. He said in Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea, and Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Do we have that slide up again? Do you see that? Look at these concentric circles he gives them. Maybe I didn't give that to you. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and, and to the end of the earth. It's, it's, it's this start right where you are, and then keep advancing outward. Now, apply that in our own context. We want to be His witnesses in our own neighborhoods, right, in our workplaces, on our campuses, in our classrooms. That, that's kind of ground zero. That's our Jerusalem, you might say, its closest point. We also want to see witness going out in our city, surrounding area. We'd love to see God use us in planting new churches, establishing new Jesus-proclaiming communities is a great, great, crucial way to reach more people. And we want to see people sent to the nations. And so we're thinking in these categories of near and, and far. We've really been doing this, haven't we? By God's grace, we have been, um, many of you, going down to Bridge of Hope. City Heights, tutoring, giving away food, helping to do that, doing youth ministry, uh, inviting those friends to our youth retreat. We gave out two scholarships of laptops recently out of the, the uh, generosity that you gave for the youth retreat itself. We gave two scholarships a um, number of months ago. Also, others here are at ICF. The Ministry to International Students that's down uh, near SDSU, and thank you for doing so. A wonderful ministry there. A number of ladies in particular have been involved at CAPS, uh, the college area, 
pregnancy services, ministering to ladies in crisis pregnancy, fantastic. Thank you, thank you, thank you for doing so. But most fundamentally, like I said, most fundamentally, we want to see every member used by God this way in, his, in, in the where, he, where He's placed you, your neighborhood, your workplace, your campus. God wants to use you there. You are, you are light, shining right there where He has placed you. And so that most fundamentally, we want to keep on doing that. But we've also begun to think more about the far category, if you're tracking with me, demonstrating and declaring where near and, and, and far, the unreached beyond our locale. Um, we've really been helped by Jerry and Robbie Zeller this way. There's such a gift, and Jerry's been helping to lead the local mission committee, a number of our meetings, and talking about together how an increased awareness of and focus on the far mission can stoke our faith and passion for the near mission. They're not mutually exclusive. There's a synergy there. And so we've been talking more about that. In fact, you're going to hear from a missionary in two weeks, many of you know, who has been helping to reach some, some unreached ethnicities in China, some unreached ethnic groups in China. We are considering support for a church planter. We will consider support, rather, for a church planter who's actually going to plant a church in Japan, which is the, the second largest unreached people group in the world. Isn't that amazing? After Indonesia, Japan is the second largest unreached people group in the world. And my understanding is that's less than 2% of the population believes. And like I mentioned, we are seeking to come alongside our friends in Tijuana and support Jasmine. And in God's perfect timing, Adolfo sent me a video that we want to show. Could, um, could someone kill a few of the lights right there so we can see the video? Rick, would you mind? Or Dan or somebody there? Thank you, guys. Take in this video from Mexico. I think. It's a good picture right there. And that's Jasmine on the far left, correct?
we want to we want to be, as it were, fully orbed as a church by God's grace. That's our desire. That's our hope. What that means is that we embrace all three of the essential biblical purposes that God has for every local church. They could be summarized as upward and upward direction in love for God and an inward direction in love for each other and discipleship and community and fellowship and then an outward direction like we just talked about. The good news of Jesus means to move us in all three directions, doesn't it? Upward toward God, inward as it were toward each other and then outward toward those who yet do not know. And we've been accenting this outward direction, I think rightfully so, but we must not, we must not neglect this upward and, and inward movement of the gospel as well. And so I want to I highlight for you an, an upward goal and, and an inward goal, you might say. Think of it that way, an upward goal and, and an inward goal. Upwardly, we want to strengthen our faith toward God. We want to strengthen our devotion to and our enjoyment of God in Christ as we look to Him and, and rely upon Him. We don't want to have a mere duty approach to the Christian life. Mere duty won't be sustained for long by, by any of us. And mere duty won't be very joyful either. We want our church life and our individual lives to be vibrant as we depend on the living God and enjoy Him and what He's done in Christ. And so next week, we return to the book of Hebrews. We have preached a couple mini-series already in Hebrews. We're going to finish out the book starting next week with chapter 11. Here's a little, here's a little taste of what we're going to look at next week, beginning in verse 1. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen, for by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, so that what is seen, what is seen was made, not made out of, what, uh, out of things that are visible. And then, of course, it goes on. It says, it's a conviction of things not seen. And then verse 6, without faith it's impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that He exists and notice that he rewards those who seek him. Our God exists and he is a rewarder. This is just so foundational in the Christian life, isn't it? You see over and over in the Apostle Paul's writings, he emphasizes three things, this sort of triad, faith, hope, and love. They're just all over his letters, faith, hope, and love. This is foundational, friends, and we're sort of going to accent as Hebrews 11 leads us into this idea of faith, knowing and trusting and relying on God. But it's not just stirring up faith. Don't, don't think that way. Faith grows as it sees the object. <laughs> faith grows as it sees the object of its faith. I thought about Mark chapter 4 with Jesus He's in a boat with his disciples. A great windstorm arises. The waves are breaking over the bow of the boat. The boat is filling up with water. And what's Jesus doing? He's helping to bail the water out, right? No, he's sleeping. He's sleeping in the stern, the back of the boat. 
The disciples wake him up and they say, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? Now you've got to realize some of these guys were experienced fishermen. They knew that violent windstorms arise on this lake suddenly. They, they had been out fishing on this lake in rough weather many times. But this time they're saying, Jesus, don't you care? We're going to drown. It must have been serious. They wake Jesus up and he rebukes the wind. He says, wind, stop. Says to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And then he rebukes his disciples. <laughs> he rebukes the wind. And then he rebukes them and says, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? You catch the connection here? The, the point is not so much, Jesus is with you in your boat. All right, although that, that's true from other passages in a sense, he is with you, he'll never leave you, never forsake you. The point is not, though, Jesus is in your boat. The point is what the disciples say to each other next. Who is this? Who is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Catch the connection. Jesus is looking for faith. Why were you afraid? Where, where's your faith? He's saying, don't you realize who I am yet? This is God in the flesh who sleeps because he's tired and wakes up and rules over the creation because he's the creator. Faith grows, friends, as it sees its object. That's what we want to have happen. Our faith growing as we see him. You think about, think about the big event this week, solar eclipse. I'm sure you heard about it. Right? Moon blocking the sun. Very cool. What happens in my life, and maybe you can relate to this, is that other things eclipse the living God in my soul. My, my spiritual vision of God gets eclipsed by, by other things. I have a spiritual eclipse. And faith becomes a struggle. Is that happening for you? Circumstances eclipse the character of God. And I get afraid. An unknown future eclipses what God is really like. A financial trial eclipses the goodness of God. A health trial, and that's so hard. The health trial eclipses the wisdom, the sovereignty, the power of God. What we want to have happen this, this ministry year, especially here on Sunday mornings, would be that the Word of God helps us. The Word of God helps us to, to live by faith, as Hebrews 11 through 13 will teach us. The Word of God reminds us that we are justified by faith, declared righteous by faith in Christ. And then we want to, in 2018, probably after Easter, but don't hold me to that, 
uh, we want to begin the book of Genesis because Genesis will unpack the object of our faith as well, the living God. So look forward to that. We want to stoke upwardly our faith in Him. And then you might say inwardly, second goal, inwardly we want to strengthen care. We want to strengthen care. We want to strengthen first our pastoral care. You might say, why, Tab? What's the big deal? I think the Apostle Paul captures the why really well. He, he, thought, he thought it was near the end of his ministry. It didn't turn out to be exactly, but at this point he thought he was going to see some places for the last time. So he calls the elders, the shepherds from the city of Ephesus to come down and, and meet him. And they have this poignant meeting and he gives to them what, what he thinks are his last instructions to them. He says to these elders in Acts 20, he says, pay careful attention to yourselves, that's important, and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. He's given you a responsibility to care, or literally that word is to shepherd, to pastor, to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. And I, I just feel like that verse is holy ground for us as elders. We want to care better for you because you are the purchase of God. God sent his son to purchase you with his blood. And we count it a privilege to serve you in this way. So we want, to, we want to do that. We want to take that seriously. We have, as I wrote to you a couple weeks ago, we have what I would call a, I think, a happy problem of growth. We're glad. But God has let us grow steadily over time. Not, uh, you know, not instantaneously, but steadily over time, which is the best way to grow. And we've seen that our pastoral level administration has gotten frayed a bit. Pastoral level care has gotten frayed a little bit, and ultimately that's, that's my fault. But we believe the time is right to kind of increase pastoral Capacity, And that's why we've proposed to you hiring Joshua Morgan to help us increase capacity, care, help, administration, discipleship, and just moving forward in our vision and mission together. That's a big part of the budget we'll talk about in our members meeting. We also want to, we want to better define how we're going to care as elders by, by making sure we have more clear what I'm going to call spheres of care, and those spheres would be built particularly around, but not exclusively around, our, our small groups. We want to have each elder um, have, a, have a group of people for whom he is seeking to, at least once a year, connect with you over the phone or in person, and just know how you're doing, right? Just to care. How are you? Are there challenges we can be praying for? Are there challenges you need help with? Are there joys you're experiencing? We, we just want to do that better. 
We, we, and this is my fault, ultimately, we have not always stayed connected as well as, as we want to. So we, we want to have a sphere of care where we will endeavor to connect with each member in that sphere at least once a year, make sure we're connecting personally and praying for you regularly, and we're going to do other stuff as well on that outline, marriages, parenting, college age, good stuff. So that's one piece of strengthening care. The other piece, though, is that care really is a a one-another ministry, isn't it? It's not just elder-only care. We want to be a a body caring for one another. We've we've sought intentionally not to be be a program-driven church. I'm not putting that down. I'm not saying that's wrong. But we've tried intentionally to build relationally. We believe... We believe in the, the doctrine of the church that it shows us that we are to be a body functioning together. We saw that in Romans 12. We saw that in Ephesians 4. And you might think of our, our care and our fellowship almost like, almost like circulation in the body. The circulatory system that's, that's carrying nutrients around to all, all the, the body parts. I think you see this in what Dave Fenske preached on. A few weeks ago in Ephesians chapter 4, let me just remind us of Ephesians 4, where we're told to be speaking the truth in love, right? That's a big part of our care and ministry, speaking the truth in love to one another. And in that way, we are to grow up in every way into Him, Jesus, who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body, joined and held together by every joint with which is equipped, probably leaders being referred to there, when each part... Notice those two words. Each part, every single part of the body is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in, in love. So we, we, we want to, friends, continue to accent building together and life together and fellowship together. That's why, that's why we make such a big deal out about, about the small groups. I don't think they're the perfect context or something like that. I trust we'll have perfect small groups in heaven. We ain't going to have them now, right? <laughs> they're not going to be perfect. You're not going to find a perfect small group in Grace Church. If you're hoping for that, I'm sorry. Um, let me prepare you in advance. Ain't going to happen. But it's how we structure for this relational vision, this community of people built around Jesus together. So we taught a series called Life Together in the past few weeks. We want to manage the size of the home groups better. That's why we're asking you to sign up for one. And if one's really large, we're going to ask you, could some of you, could some of you all find a different group? Because a small group is only helpful when it's small. Um, sometimes the small groups look like church plants. <laughs> and uh, it's no longer a helpful, helpful context for what it's designed to do. We want to continue to focus content around God's word and care for our leaders better, which is something I've not done well. And on top of all that, we want to continue the men's and women's Bible studies as, as supplemental means of fellowship. So we'll do all that. We hope to strengthen faith and keep on strengthening care. Might seem simple, but that's, that's what we're trying to do. Upward Look to God, hope in God, rely on God because Jesus has died to bring us to God. And yet, His finished work brings us together at the same time to do life together, to have fellowship together, to have participation in Christ together, mutual ministry as we walk 
together and finish together well. So I want to pray to that end. I want to close and then we'll take a break and have a members meeting soon. Let's pray that God would meet us this year and lead us forward. Hmm. Lord, I thank you for what you've done this past year and, and the five years of our existence. In these five short years, you have been so faithful to us. You have been so good to us. Lord, we say thank you. We are delighted to play our small little part with every other Bible-believing Jesus-preaching church in our area. We're just delighted to play our little part right here. Would you use us further? Would you use us further outwardly as we think near and far, demonstrate and declare the gospel? Would you use us and encourage us upwardly where, where things might be eclipsing our view of you. Would you help to take them away? Would you use your word Sunday after Sunday to give us a vision of the living God that we would leave here rejoicing in who you are and what you've done? And would you continue to build us together as a body with each part, with each part playing its part, so that the body builds itself up in love. Would you grant this, we ask you, for your glory alone, for your praise. In Jesus' name, amen.